and if you want to start, we're just going to be all over the place, all right, yeah, looking up lots of different scriptures. But has this not been an interesting week, all right? We, we have war in the world, um, and that scares a lot of people, and um, especially uh, when you see uh, one nation taking their nuclear arsenal and putting those that know how to run that on the highest level of alert, like, what are we doing? Um, that's going to get other nations involved in the whole thing. Uh, but maybe it's not an international crisis that concerns you. Maybe it's your personal health issues. Um, so we're going to talk about tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about an event called the judgment seat of Christ. Now, don't get scared because to be there there's a prerequisite. You have to be a believer. All right? And so being a believer, you're not in danger of hellfire. You're actually there for rewards. And so the message tonight is he gives reward. Um, I have a verse up there, Revelation chapter uh, 11, 18b. So I've been trying to listen through the book of Revelation. I think I'm starting my third or my fourth time. Uh, through the book this year, I listened to a chapter or two, sometimes three each morning. And I came across uh, this verse in chapter 11 this week as I uh, was listening to the Bible reading. And it talked about the tribulation saints, uh, that God would reward them. Actually, all the saints would be rewarded and that they needed to wait for the rest of the, the tribulation saints to join them. So oh, you might put this as... Um, an answer to the question, what happens when I die? All right. Well, if you're a believer, then you will await this day, the, the judgment seat of Christ, where he will reward you. So if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, we'll begin reading. And let's see, I want to find the verse to give you the right verse number here. All right, uh, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So how many times can you lay the foundation course? One time. So you only need to be saved in Christ Jesus. And then you will, from that moment, be his. You're saved. So you can't have any other foundation in your life, just that one foundation of Jesus Christ, that's salvation. Now, we have the opportunity as God's children to build on that foundation. Now, I know some of you have just recently done a lot of building, right? And what you put underneath is important. So last year, I put some brick edging um, to make a sidewalk that's about four feet long, but underneath all that brick edging, I went down about nine inches and put in gravel. And that gravel then, and, and uh, wet it down and tamp it with a hand tamper so that the expansion of the ground uh, during the rainy season and the dry season won't crack the, uh, the brick uh, edging that I put there. So what you put underneath something is very important, but then how you build on top of that is also important. And so this is what we get to do here 
in verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. So there's quite a difference in the, I guess you will, the nature or the character of the building material that's mentioned here. You have gold and silver and precious stones, uh, which if you try them with fire, only come out refined. But if you try wood, hay, and stubble with fire, well then your building is reduced to the foundation again. So be careful how you build. And um, so let's go down and continue reading um, Verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive what? A reward. So with that in mind, let's think positively tonight. Does God want us to end up in heaven empty-handed. No. He's good. He wants us to end up in heaven having rewards. And so we're going to talk about some of the rewards tonight. So let's just go quickly now. We're just going to run through these. Um, But here we go. Have faith. This is Hebrews 11.6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. Um, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God wants you to believe as a believer. Now that almost seems a little weird to say it that way, doesn't it? To believe as a believer? (laughs) Yes. David put it this way in the psalm, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sometimes we, we get discouraged. We faint. And so he's uh, wanting us to believe that he is a rewarder. And so God is good. He's a rewarder. So have faith. Believe that when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, the things that you have done, God is going to give you a reward. You must believe that to please him. If you don't have that, then you probably won't have a reward or rewards. All right, here's the next one. God is just and remembers. Uh, Many years ago, I was going through a very difficult time and uh, was discouraged. And the Lord gave me this verse, and I began to memorize it and to repeat it to myself quite often. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have uh, showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister, all right? So how we serve one another, but we're doing it because of Jesus. Now, as we have an opportunity to do good, let's do good to all people, right? I mean, hold the door open at the post office if you ever go there anymore. Um, Do we put things in the mail anymore? I mean, how many of you can go to the post office? All right, yeah, there you go. But if you see somebody coming in with a package, you know, and they've got both arms occupied, um, open the door and say, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you. Or, hey, I did that for you in Jesus' name. Have a great day. 
Um, if you see someone that, that seems to be down on their luck, try to help them out, right? As you have an opportunity to do good to all men. But as Christians, we have brothers and sisters in the Lord. We have fellow church members that we want to take care of. And so as you hear of needs that are mentioned, such as the prayer requests tonight, hey, if you have their contact information, send them a text, give them a call, send them a card, make something for them. Do something along that line. Minister to the saints. Um, the brothers and sisters in, I believe it was Acts chapter 10, were very uh, distraught because Dorcas or Tabitha had made uh, wonderful things with her hands for the saints, some clothing or maybe caps or something, gowns along that line. And they were discouraged because they weren't going to have her around to minister that way to them anymore. And the Lord did a miracle through Peter. That's the ministry to the saints. But remember, God doesn't forget. Now, I've shared this story before, but I had someone else just share with me just recently something very similar uh, to it. But uh, my dad was, uh, in his youth, he was involved in traveling and doing youth ministries in different churches. And um, on a Christmas day, about 50 years later, he gets a phone call and says, are you Harold Snow? The Harold Snow that used to travel with such and such a team, were you at this church? Yes, yes, that's me. Um, well, I'm just calling to thank you for leading me to the Lord. You wrote your name on my Bible when I was a little boy, and I've been pastoring uh, for decades, and I just wanted to let you know that your labor was not in vain. Hey, what an encouraging phone call, but I had someone just share a story with me like that this last week, and I just can't remember who it is, but uh, something very similar to that. How exciting and encouraging that is. Um, but God is not going to forget your work and labor of love. He's going to remember what you do toward him uh, through your service to the saints. All right, now, the next point was this. Quality matters, all right? So if any man's work abide, that means if it remains, if it sticks around. Because we looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and the wood, hay, and stubble, it didn't abide, it was burned up. Our God is a consuming fire. But those whose quality of work was that of precious materials, such as gold, silver, and precious stones, then their work endured his, his standards. So there's an inspector. Now, my uh, young adults over here, do you remember when we would go to the store and leave you the chores like sweeping the floor? And we would come back, and we would have not just an expectation, we would have an inspection. And especially on sweeping the floor, the edges had to be done right. The chairs had to be pulled out. Um, when we, you know, said that this is what has to be done, it has to be done the right way. Well, the Lord is going to be the same way. The Lord's going to inspect the quality of our service and our ministry in life. What's our motive? Okay, so I'm preaching this message for myself tonight as well as you. 
because we need to every once in a while stop and remember what God is going to do, uh, stop and remember our motivation in things, to take a moment to encourage ourselves in the Lord and his goodness and that he is going to reward us. And so make sure that we're doing it right now. Um, I can always remember my dad telling me, if a job is worth doing, it's worth doing it right, what? The first time. And uh, boy, that saves you a lot of work. And uh, when you have that kind of work ethic in the workplace, people notice, right? They take note of that. So as we go about um, our ministry to the Lord and to the saints, quality does matter. All right, so why do we serve in a local church? Is it so that we can get the recognition? Well, the Lord talked about that in the Gospels. Uh, some people pray in a certain way to be seen of men, to be heard of men, and the Lord says, yeah, they got their reward. All right, and This is just a personal pet peeve of mine, and I never do this, and it just kind of just wrinkles me a little bit, but people put online, if you love Jesus, you'll repost this. Is that why I want to repost that? You know, really? I mean, do I really not love Jesus if I don't? You know? So what's my motivation there? All right? Now, if you're doing that genuinely and sincerely, Lord bless you. All right? But are we doing it because someone else told us to do it? Are we serving because someone else told us to do it? Are we doing it so that we can get attention? So remember, quality matters. Motive matters. Um, you know, if you stop and you think about it, when David brought the ark into Jerusalem, he brought it in on a cart. And God struck a man dead because it wasn't done the right way. So sincerity in and of itself doesn't count. A lot of people sincerely worship God, but they're sincerely wrong because they don't do it in truth. We talked a little bit about that this morning. All right, let's move on. Now, this is the fun part. What are the specific rewards that Christians can have? So crowns await. Now, this is interesting. This is not the diadem kind of crown that Jesus as king is going to wear. Uh, This is based upon the Olympic Games where the winner in the Greek games would have a laurel wreath placed upon their head, and they were crowned the winner of a certain competition. And uh, so we can have some crowns, and uh, we're going to learn that these crowns uh, are something to be desired. So here's our first one, all right? The crown of life. If you want to take your Bibles, let's go over to James chapter 1 and verse 12. James 1, 12. Now, I'm not going to forget Chester tonight, so this microphone is up here to remind me. Chester's going to come and just give us a quick missions update on three missionaries. But uh, James 1, 12 says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation... For when he is tried, he shall receive, what? The crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Motivation is love. 
Obedience is mentioned in here. You resist temptation. And you endure during times of temptation. Now, enduring doesn't sound fun, does it? How many of you like to just endure? All right. Um, praise God I'm not running half marathons and marathon anymore. But uh, I can remember, you know, after I worked my way up to a half marathon, from 13 to 17 was pretty easy because I would get what's called the runner's high and I'd get like a little uh, electrical tingling on my scalp and I felt refreshed and like I was floating on a cloud, you know. But then about mile 17.1, the bonk, <laughs> you know. What am I doing? Ouch, you know. Do I really have to keep going to 20, you know? Uh, do I really have to go to 26.2? So after a while, it just became enduring, right? I don't like enduring. And sometimes we don't like trials. But David says it this way. It was good for me to be afflicted. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Sometimes there are trials that God brings to us just to get us back to where we should be. Sometimes there are trials that just happen to us because of living in a broken world, right? I mean, do we live in a broken world or what, all right? I mean, when the whole globe can come down with the same disease within a year, I mean, that's a broken world, right? And so endure temptations. You will receive the crown of life. Now, there are some that quit, and they won't get that crown. Here's our next one. Um, this is the crown of glory. This is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive the crown of glory. Fadeth not away. A crown of glory. Now, that is about, I think, um, shepherding people. I think that's discipling. Uh, many times, Paul... Uh, and we'll get to this, which is actually the next one. Um, but there's a crown of glory that awaits. Right? Do Olympians, when they win gold, do they usually get a little bit of glory that goes with that? Well, of course they do. They get endorsements. Their fa face is on television. Their name becomes a household name, right? That's a crown in a certain sense. And um, the Lord is going to give us a crown of glory. There's reward that goes along with that. And so that is for shepherding. All right, the next one is the crown of rejoicing. I think this is, uh, this is found in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Hey, the Lord is coming back again, right? And you've heard you can't take it with you, but do you know that you can take them with you? Yeah, you can take your family with you. You can take your friends with you. You can take your coworkers with you. Uh, you can even strike up a conversation with a stranger, and one day you can see them uh, in heaven with you. And so... Paul is saying to these Thessalonian believers, listen, when Jesus Christ comes and you stand in front of his presence, I'm going to be smiling from ear to ear because you're there. 
and you're my crown of rejoicing. Listen, as a pastor, I want you to have the joy of winning somebody to the Lord. I remember the night that Ray Rowley asked Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior. I'd taken one of the young men in our church. His name was David Krebs. I took David with me, and uh, we went through, at that time I was using uh, evangelism explosion uh, method of sharing the gospel. And uh, David had an opportunity to share a majority of the gospel that night. And um, David was so excited when we left the house. Pastor, that was fun. I was so excited when he said yes, that he wanted to receive the gift of eternal life. That's a crown of rejoicing. And so I want you, if you don't know how to share the good news with somebody, I want you to learn so when Judgment Day comes, you can stand before the Lord, beaming from ear to ear, knowing that your friend, your coworker, your family member, your neighbor was standing there with you, and they're your crown of rejoicing. I want you to have that joy. I want you to have that crown. I think God wants you to have that crown. That's why he mentions it. All right, our next one. Uh, a crown of righteousness. This is found in 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge. So what kind of a judge is he? A righteous judge. Oh man, praise the Lord for judges who have integrity, who are righteous in the way they deal with the law. It says here, shall give to me at that day, and now notice this next phrase, and not to me only, but unto, what's the next word? All. Does that include you? It sure does. And so, all them that love his appearing. Now, why would that be a crown? To anticipate the Lord's return. Why is that a crown? Well, because there are some people who are sleeping. Listen, when I watch the news, I'm thinking... He's coming, and it could be this week. This is getting intense. Uh, the Lord could be returning. I mean, goodness, we've got nations lining up against nations. And uh, so these things, these political alliances and so forth, there are just natural ways this unfolds. Maybe the Lord's coming. Maybe it's this week. Now, John puts it this way. If you have the hope of the Lord's return in your thinking, it purifies you. There's a cleansing element to it. Okay? It's like when you drive down the road and you see law enforcement sitting there and you go past them, you take a quick look in the mirror, don't you? Okay, well, that law enforcement got you thinking, just their presence. Well, try to think not in the rearview mirror, but think forward. He's coming back. I want to look into the word. I want to see that this is going to change the way I live my life now. And, um, you know, it, it, when people, like I was saying earlier, it's not what you expect, it's what you inspect. And when you as a parent or an employer uh, are kind in the way that you 
uh, do your inspecting, it gets people thinking, all right, I've got to do this the right way. And they think proactively, not retroactively. So think proactively. The Lord and there is a crown of righteousness. Why? How? What, you know, what, what about that is a crown of righteousness? Well, John says it. if you have that hope in you, it purifies you. And so your conduct of your life is righteous. Now, I'll just say this briefly, all right? Um, the way that we look at Scripture, the, the view that we put on Scripture, it's called, in, in a big way, dispensational view. It means that God dispenses grace. And in the time in which we live, God is dispensing grace through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and giving us the Holy Spirit of God. And to go into the world and preach his kingdom. He's king of kings, he's lord of lords. And we, we can think like kingdom citizens. And we can do things many times not even for the benefit of our own local church, but we can do things for the benefit of the king and his kingdom, right? And uh, so why do we have a Christian school? Well, we've, we've opened it up to Christian families in Hollister that are at least from like-minded churches that believe the same gospel that we believe. And that's kingdom thinking. We can make it that way beyond just the confines of our own facility and our own sphere of influence. But uh, we can have that impact and uh, earn a crown of righteousness. All right, the last one is an imperishable crown, all right? 1 Corinthians 9.25, and let's close with this one. First Corinthians 9.25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate or self-controlled, is what that concept is, in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Alright? So an Olympian back in Paul's day would just stretch themselves out. They'd go all for it, right? We have the expression today, go for the gold. All right. Uh, don't leave anything back there that you could think later, I could have done that better. I could have put more effort into it. No, no. Uh, give it all of your heart. Give it all of your ability. Give it your very best. All right. And they will do that for a corruptible crown. All right. Um, who won the fifth NBA championship? Who won Super Bowl six? I'm sure you could ask people who lived back then. Maybe they might be able to give you an answer. Or, unfortunately, I've had some sports fanatics that knows the answer to those things. <laughs> right? But um, their, their glory faded. Right? Their fame just kind of went away at age. And they did it, and now their glory is no more. But yet, they went all out for just that corruptible crown. But you know what? As a Christian, our crown is not going to fade away. Not going to be out of fashion. 
won't be out of style. We might someday, by the grace of God, be able to sit down in eternity and share stories of grace and say, you know what? When did you get that crown? Oh, that was back there when I was living in Hollister. And the Lord gave me this divine opportunity and uh, just put it right in front of me. And uh, by his grace, I was able to whatever. And it's going to be an imperishable crown. And maybe we'll tell stories to the glory of God. But don't be discouraged tonight. Believe that God is a rewarder of what we're trying to do here at Calvary Baptist Church. Let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. And remember, God is a just God. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's seek what God is trying to do this week in Hollister.